Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security, and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Fabian Calais about the power of automation and how it can boost business growth. For the last decade, Fabian has been the general manager's small to medium business at SAP Concur. He has over 20 years experience in software and technology and has a true passion for small business. Fabian, 20 years in software and technology. What a change. Hey, Clive, how are you? Yes. I mean, what a change in the last four to five years, let alone when we uh, reflect on what the last 20 years has looked like. Yes, indeed. And as most of our listeners will know, I've been around a while and I remember fax machines becoming a thing. And you're right, the last four or five years, I'm definitely a dinosaur when it comes to technology and I might have missed most of it. Tell me about it. (laughs) <laughs> funnily enough fax machines are still around with some people yet i'm not sure if i even know where to go buy one anymore but apparently they're still used i think when i i haven't really had a chance to sit there and think about the last 20 years but when i do look at what it was like when i first started just having i mean i have a beautiful apple laptop now and i'm very fussy about the type of laptop i have yet back then i was happy just to have a what would be considered now a giant screen on a big rectangular box with an old keyboard and thought this was amazing. I got excited when we first had those, and hopefully some people will and won't remember, when you had the windows pop up and you could talk to the person on the other side of the partition without actually even saying anything. Then we were able to speak to people in other states. I don't think we actually used it for any business chat at that point. We were all just excited that something would pop up, a few words would come about and you could talk to somebody. I still remember that and I remember the moment thinking, what is this? Yet now we've just moved to Microsoft Teams and we've got videos and I can see people. We can chat on the fly. We'll have 10 to 12 or more people just on a screen and it's normal. It's considered completely normal. And so to move from from what we used to have to now, you know, as an iPhone and I have an eight-year-old boy tried to explain to him what it was like not having the internet or an iPad. He looks at me like, how could you even function? And I think about it and I wonder how we did because everything's so instantaneous now. I mean, you and I are talking here and I'm sure, and I'm keeping my phone away, that I've got dozens of emails coming through. I've got text messages coming through, pop-ups that I probably that I need to get onto, but it's the technology that helps us manage all of that noise too. You know, So although we're extremely busy and I can connect with someone instantaneously, really, without this technology, there's no way we could even manage this type of speed. And I'm excited to see what the next few years are going to look like because it's going to get even more exciting. It is a fantastic thing. You're quite right that we've got telephones that allow us to communicate with video and all sorts of things. There's all sorts of platforms out there that we can use to make what we used to think was pretty fantastic a phone call mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> it's definitely I, mean, I, re- I remember that it's re- i remember the days and if you look at the bushfires that happened throughout australia 
and how Telstra cleverly used the old phone booths as receivers, Wi-Fi and internet receivers. And I remember the days of having to try and save up coins so I could go down to the phone booth. So I wasn't at home and my mother couldn't hear my conversation. And then running out of coins. <laughs> Whereas, you know, now it's an interesting space because the phone allows us to call immediately, but then it also gives us the ability of not to have to actually speak to anybody. And I can send you a text message. And as I have done, we've run many business opportunities without even speaking to a person. So as amazing as it is, it's a really weird, weird, weird place to be right now. And even as I, you know, I mentioned my son earlier, he communicates with people on an iPad on the other side of the world. Albeit, you know, there's other challenges that that may bring, but as an eight-year-old being able to connect with someone on the other side of the world, the, the opportunities are incredible. And I can only imagine what it's going to be like in 10 years' time when I may, and I probably won't need to teach him how to drive a car because the car will drive itself. Yes. So we don't need to focus. We don't, yeah, we don't need to focus on, you know, him driving a manual car anymore or, you know, even having to drive. I may just press a button and he'll get in the car and the car will take him to school now <laughs> and pick him up <laughs> without anybody in it. It sounds crazy, but you know, if I had to mention this 20 years ago, I probably wouldn't have been in that job. That's for sure. I would have thought I was crazy, but that's definitely the way it's moving. It's hard to know what to teach, like the next group of children coming through, because in 10 years' time, it'll be obsolete. Yes. And speaking of you having ideas of that nature 20 or so years ago, I think it's probably about 20, 25 years ago, there was a certain television show where a car could actually drive itself under instruction <laughs> from somebody talking to it through a radio or some such thing. But yeah, uh, how crazy. <laughs> let's focus a little bit on Fabian. SAP sure. Concur. You're primarily involved in expense, travel and invoice management. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And what on earth would have prompted a fellow like yourself to say, there's got to be a better way to manage expenses, travel, and invoicing in business? <laughs> it's funny because when I speak about this, you know, I meet new people and they ask me what I do and I explain it to them. Some of the responses I get is this, are there people that actually need this? And I used to think exactly the same 10 years ago. And a friend of mine was the one that encouraged me to look into this. And to be honest, where it came from is I've traveled for work for the last 20 years, been nationally, internationally, coffee shops, pay from parking, traveled the world through as it was then when you used to get your ticket, it used to be a piece of paper. Now we do it on our phones. We scan our ways into the airlines and it's, um, you wouldn't even think. And mind you, we still do have boarding passes. But So those receipts, we used to put in a little shoebox. I'd take that shoebox. At that time, I didn't have an EA, so I did it myself, taking a shoebox. And I always remember, always remember a time when I was moving home. And as we're packing things and as people do uncover, there's a lot of things that they've probably had in their home for years that they didn't even realize. One of those that I found was a shoebox full of receipts that I'd never claimed. <laughs> and I mean, I didn't even want to count it because I'm sure there was hundreds, probably thousands of dollars in their receipts that I didn't even claim. Strangely enough, that still happens today. People still go and they'll go and buy their coffee and I'll get their paper receipt and that paper receipt goes in either their wallet or purse or in their pocket. It may be forgotten and the ink rubs off and all of a sudden 
you can't go and claim back that, let's call it $5, let's call it all that. So when I started looking at that, it is something that I really, really sort of connected with. My whole business, the Concur, before we were acquired by SAP, was actually built off that, off the fact that there were weeks and weeks of receipts. And in my case, I would have weeks of receipts, cash out of pocket that I made, and yet I hadn't even claimed any of these things yet. So what the story was what if I could take the photo of receipt at that point in time, it automatically gets submitted. That submission automatically goes into a payment process and I have that money back within days or weeks. I like that. Now, it's not the fact that in a travel and expense and the accounts payable process and all of that came together. And that was what the exciting part was because the technology is a technology. I mean, I have the benefit of working for an organization where I trust the technology and and we're best of class for that. But what I do like is the application we can give to a small business to take away a back-end process that they shouldn't have to worry about. Unfortunately, what happens, especially with technology and small business, is small business will typically focus on their front end, revenue coming in, staff, those sort of things. And what becomes last is the administrative work at the end, the paperwork, until they become either too big or too busy. I think as we get to that point, they then start to realize, well, maybe I should do something about this, but they're in such a, they've got such a process in the place where their activities work and they know exactly what each step is like to then get them to change from that becomes a difficult process. Once they've got technology in place, the feedback I get all the time is we should have done this earlier, but that risk of change is too great, especially when you look at a backend administration where you get the administrative assistants, and they know probably with their eyes closed that they grab a piece of paper, they know where the stamp goes, they know the keys on the keyboard, and they have their part in place. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's efficient, but it works. Now you're asking them to trust a photo and the outcome will be the same. It's an interesting evolution. It really is, you know, and, and it goes to the iPhone and how that's evolved. You know, people are being forced to use it now because I don't think you can really get much else. But you know, there's still those that they're not frightened, but they're really unsure of what's truly happening in the background. Now, I've been in technology and software for 20 years, yet I'm not technically apt. That's not my skill. The impact it has on a business and how we're going to improve a business process, that's where I sit. There are a lot more smarter people than I when it comes to technology. And it moves so quickly. I just don't have, I haven't applied myself to keep up with that type of technology. I know how it works. I know that when you put a key in the car and you turn it, it starts. I don't know what happens in between all of that. (laughs) I think often, Fabian, it's the one with the capability of interpreting what's going on that uh, leads us out of the wilderness. Yeah, (laughs) that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Now, let's talk a little bit about Fabian and how he started his business because this is an area that I help people create business plans and create businesses and and change businesses that are already existing. But I particularly like to be able to help people put a business together which has a full story. That is, when am I going to get out? Now, I was chatting with you earlier off air and you told me a little bit of a story about how you set up your business, right from the beginning in your business plan, you said, this is how we're going to exit. Give us a little bit of more detail 
about what that entailed and what it allowed you to do along the way? Well, I mean, at the time, my business partner and I had decided to start a business and because we wanted to start a business together effectively. And we were independently entrepreneurial in our own space. But one of the things that we always considered was, what does the exit look like? This was before we even started. We thought, what does the end actually look like? And ultimately, if we were to build a business, a business would be built to effectively sell. You know, when you look at the businesses today, everyone wants the new app because they look at what happened in the YouTubes and, and the Instagrams and that of the world and think, I could be the next billionaire. We didn't think that way, but we did think, what was the end? Would we do this forever? So the business plan always included what an element of maximizing the value of our business if we were to ever sell it. At the time, we were in hospitality and retail. So in order to do that, we thought, what's the best model? And ultimately, we needed to present this to the bank because we were just a couple of guys, as it is, that has a great idea and you go to the bank and you think that everyone's going to see your energy and, and emotion and they're going to fall in love with your idea until they you sit there and they have a blank stare on their face and there's certain things that they obviously missed. So what we decided at that point in time in order to maximize our sale price, so to speak, was that we would build it as a franchise model. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we would go out and to sell dozens of franchises, but the model needed to be in there. So from the very beginning, I think after about six months of operation, we went through a process of finding the right third-party provider that would help us build that franchise. We did have plans to potentially sell some franchises, but that wasn't the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal was to set up a structure of business that would help us maximize the sale. The franchise model just seemed to be the best one, and it was the best one. So it, we spent, and if anyone's ever been through that process, they know there's a lot of work that goes into it. And we did that, and we built that up over a period of 12 months to get that model and structure down, down right. When it came time for the exit, there were a whole lot of elements that were applied to, to that exit as to whether that franchise model was the right decision for us. Ultimately, it's whether someone wants to buy it and they understand that. So, but, but from the very beginning, we always considered if this is a franchise model, what would we need to maximize that? What would make a franchise more profitable? What would make a franchise from a public relations perspective more appealing? And that's, we had that thought process through any decision that we typically try to make. That's a very good explanation of why you start with the end in mind, because a lot of times we hear people say, oh, always start with the end in mind. But there's very often not a clear indication of why you do that. Now, you've just explained that really, really well. Thank you, Fabian. For all of those out there, when you hear somebody say, start with the end in mind, uh, it's, it's not a pipe dream. It's what is going to give the best result to everybody concerned with this and how do we put it together so that it'll do that? So well done. Now, along the way, I understand that you were an accepted member of Tourism Victoria. Lots of us in small business are a bit frightened about dealing with government. What does it mean to be accepted as a member of Tourism Victoria and how does one go about doing that, Fabian? Sure. So part of the my explanation previously was, you know, as we worked through at the business, how do we maximize the value of the business for one? And what's the best way to promote the business? 
when we talk about good promotion, we talk about good attendance, good attendance, greater revenue, and, you know, and so on and so forth. So what happened with the business is it actually evolved as we were in operation, and it became more of a tourist attraction, which wasn't the initial, um, the initial thought that we had. As we started to look a little bit deeper into that, we thought, what's the best way of being able to collaborate and get partners involved that doesn't mean that we have to go to a marketing department and spend a whole ton of money to get our name out there? When we considered ourselves a tourist attraction, how do we make ourselves more appealing to hotels, airlines, weekenders, but also what's the best brand that we could put on our business? Effectively, you know, as it was back then, which is a little bit different to now, our true mode of marketing was through our website. So we wanted stamps on our website. When we looked at and spoke to actually other businesses around for some support and advice and, and in our, as businesses do, network, the Tourism Victoria's name come about. It was so long ago, I can't remember exactly how. But in order to get the stamp of approval from Tourism Victoria, as with anything, and similarly for going for a job, there's an application process. Okay, and the tourism and the website, as it was then, was really, really helpful. Really helpful. I'd have to go back into the archives to have a look at what detail we put in there. But effectively, we had to prove that we had somewhat of a unique experience for people. It didn't have to be the only one, but what were we offering that Tourism Victoria could utilize? So when it comes to dealing with government agencies, yes, that can be a challenge. The biggest challenge is more the documentation that you need to provide and the timing. For a small business, as we did, we decided we wanted Tourism Victoria. Today is Wednesday. I'm hoping we can have a decision by Friday. Doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, there's an element of patience. But what we also did learn is we went through the application process. There's a lot of things, even just from a business process, that we hadn't considered that would have helped us whether we were going through this Tourism Victoria process or not. But they were really helpful. They were really helpful. As you can imagine, they would get, I couldn't imagine actually how many applications they do get because everyone wants their stamp on their website. So they need to be very, very sure that when they put that stamp on their website, that they've got everything covered. And that's what was explained to us. And that's where we learned patience. And essentially, of course, what you're talking about is same as any business relationship. You've got to give what the other side wants or it's not going to happen. So by providing yeah. what they needed, you were able to benefit from having their name on your site. Yeah, so ultimately, it's almost like walking into any type of negotiation where people will walk in with a selfish mindset. This is what I want, and I need to get this from you. We took a completely different approach and said this, and showed them what we want and why. We wanted their stamp of approval, helped us with any international marketing, which we wanted to get, but we just needed to understand from them what are the very specific details that you need that we must have complete. Now, if they told us that we needed to double the size of our premises and paint it pink, not that there's anything wrong with pink, but it didn't suit our color scheme at the time, and then, I mean, the things like that we just we wouldn't have done. But if they ask for things that are very reasonable that we haven't implemented as such, then we would do that because our ultimate goal was to obtain their stamp of approval and get that on our website to ultimately then turn around for them to provide support to us. And if we became unique enough, 
somewhat easy to deal with, then there's no reason why they wouldn't help us promote the business. And they did. And they did help us promote their business as well. Excellent. And as you say, it's just a matter of satisfying their needs. So for those of us who are frightened about dealing with government, they just have needs the same as anybody else. And typically they have them on a check sheet. So you know what they are. Nice. Well, like we do, we do. ask for that check sheet. We ask for that. We yeah, ask indeed. for what it looks like. And there's no difference that if someone come and ask me for something from my business, I need to be absolutely sure that if I say yes, that it's benefit for me and the people that work with and alongside me. And that's no different for someone working in, in a government agency, but they have boundaries they need to work within. Trying to get them to push those boundaries, but you can push them working outside those boundaries. I think it's a level of frustration that's just not needed. So we just said, let's be completely open and honest and, and let me know how we can help. There you go. And Fabian, I understand you're a previous winner of the National Commonwealth Small Business Award. Now, we see lots of mentions, especially on social media, about awards and the benefits that an award can bring. What sort of benefits did you experience by being a winner of the National Commonwealth Small Business Award? One of the things that we were constantly doing is validating the things that we say we are. So people will turn and tell them that they're the best at this and we do that brilliantly or we are this type of business. What that helped us do is, one, validate the decision that we made to get into the business in the first place. So there was a personal gain for that. It gave us an ability to be able to market and brag that we were one of the best or at that time the best, but it just gave us validation that we were doing the right thing. That was the main reason for it. It wasn't to get our name up in lights and it wasn't to you know, be able to put that on everything that we put out there. It was really just to help us validate, are we doing the right thing? Are we messaging it the right way? And that allowed us to do that. Excellent. And as much as we're enjoying chatting about you and all the things you've done, what about this business that we're in at the minute? SAP Conquer's Expense Travel and Invoice Management System. How does that help businesses? Okay. So if we step back and have a look at the market, we actually represent. So 97% of all the businesses in Australia are small business, employing less than 19 people in each business. So I'm sure everybody on here knows that. So we're a small business market. And those small businesses in Australia are incredible. They're a major source of both employment, innovation within industries they operate, but they're busy. They're very busy. You know, in some cases, they, they don't have the infrastructure of a full IT team in some cases like these enterprise businesses do. The small business owners and employees wear multiple hats. You, know, you might be making a major business decision one moment, marketing the business the next, managing customers, trying to manage your cash flow, entering supplier invoices. It's just to name a few. So there's always a million other things that a small business owner could be doing that might seem more important, but unfortunately... Yeah, these are just some of the hundreds of things that must happen to keep your business running. What SAP Concur does is looks at effectively your travel and entertainment spent and your accounts payable process. And it looks to take that whole process away to automate it so that the resources you have in your business can be best spent by doing things like analyzing processes and analyzing results and the business itself rather than having to worry with, I have a piece of paper that matches that receipt that came through on a credit card. 
So it's a full automation process from when you even think about booking a travel trip to spending the money, receiving invoices from hotels, coming back and then able to just automate all of that into a single process. Now, my Mm -hmm. business, so my part of the business focuses purely on small business. Now, SAP Concur is a big, large organization. Small businesses, I mean, what I love. Obviously, we, we spoke a little bit about that in the beginning of this. And I understand that those admin priorities is typically the last thing that a company will look at. And I enjoy helping them discover that. And I like that you referred to taking away a particular business's method of operation, if you will, and automating it. Because I hear a lot from various people that I communicate with that, oh, yeah, this software is all fine and dandy if you're a one-size-fits-all, but that's not what you're talking about, is it? You're talking about personalising things. Absolutely. Yeah. In this business, I've worked with some of the largest organisations in the world, and but I also have customers that have three employees. Paper is paper. Everyone has it. One thing that is more critical in a small business is cash flow, understanding where you are in the payments process, understanding where that invoice is, you know, trying to eliminate any type of fraud. You know, and when I mention fraud, I don't mean any ill will activities. You know, it may just be someone has submitted an invoice and nobody can find it because it's gone from one desk and stamped to another to another. You know, a vendor will call and ask where their invoice is and there's no way to track where that invoice is in the process so they ask for another one. Now the same invoices come in, going through that same stamp process, and they use their an audit process at the end. So, you know, we now start looking at duplicates of invoices and even receipts. And there's a paper receipt, someone submitted, and then they didn't realize they've submitted it. And then a month later, they've gone, oh, I'm not sure if I've done that. And they've gone and submitted it again. We look at automated processes as using an Excel spreadsheet because it's on a computer. And there's, unfortunately, there's manual data entry. You know, there's asking an employee, especially in an organization that has even just 10, five or 10 people, if they can tell you what all the policies of that business are. And as you start getting into larger type businesses where they give you a piece of paper or another email amongst the other hundred that you received that day of a policy change. Fortunately, I don't have to do that. (laughs) I wouldn't have a clue what my policies are, but the system tells me what they are. They give me some either some warnings or they just won't allow me to do it. And those warnings will then teach me and educate me on what that policy is so the next time I go to spend, I understand where my boundaries are. You can't do that without technology. Well, you could, but it just doesn't work. You know, when we go back to 20 years ago, policy changes were a A4 piece of paper on my desk. So there's a new policy change. Now, hopefully I read it and I'm probably not sure where I put it amongst the other 50 I probably received three weeks before. So it's those processes that I think a lot of business miss and it's, Purely, and, and the words thrown around a lot is, is, you know, it's the transparency and visibility into what's actually happening in the business before it gets to you. So a lot of people will spend money on credit cards and vendors and things coming in and not account for anything until the end of the month when they start to reconcile their books and then realize cash flow will be an issue. I mean, it's at that and point in time they want to make a decision. Exactly. So what if we could make those decisions almost daily? and understand what's happening two to three weeks before it comes about. That's where we help. And this is where I mentioned earlier that we ask 
the resources to be shifted to become more value-added. Like that, analyze that at the beginning and how we're trending as opposed to I'm just going to wait for the shoebox of receipts to come in. Now I have to process that. Oh, and by the way, I need to go home early because I've got to pick up my children. So we're going to drag this into the next day. And it sounds very, I mean, it sounds like a bit of a joke, but that's exactly what happens because in a small business, they have to do all those things. And it's usually one or two people that have to do it. Which is where the problem lies, of course. But the important thing that you're bringing with the technology is not the fear of technology, but technology which actually monitors you to make sure that you're doing what you set out that you wanted to do. Correct. That's exactly right. And that's what we try to educate people on the on technology and a fear of coming from a manual-based process to which they can see, touch and feel, which people have a much higher trust component towards as opposed to pressing a button on a phone that takes a picture and then hope that it's okay because I can't touch that receipt again. My view is this. I don't want to touch paper. You and I were talking earlier and, and it took me a long time just to get my accountant to send me documents electronically so I could sign them electronically as opposed to putting it in the mail and sending it to me and, and I might read it a week later, I'll send it back to him, then he'll read it and it's two weeks and three weeks have gone past as opposed to he sends it to me, I sign it, it goes back and there's an electronic stamp that says all of this has happened. It's getting people away from what they know and trust. You know, the technology is built to be able to take that away so that they can spend their time on more valuable time. But, of course, taking them to something that they can learn to know and trust. Correct. And everyone, there's a fear of change in a lot of people. Learning something new that they've been doing for the last 10 or 20 years can sometimes seem unproductive because it almost takes them a little bit longer to learn the new process as opposed to what they were doing earlier. But it really actually doesn't take that long. And once you start realizing the benefits, a lot of the feedback I get when we implement our systems is, I wish we did this earlier. My answer is, I wish you did too. But that's a lot of the feedback that we get when we start to automate these businesses, manual processes. Indeed. And one of the things that I hear from people who've been in business, whether it's a short time or a long time, there's a question which is always answered the same way. And the answer is, I wish I knew when I started what I know now. And I'm really pleased that when you started your business, you took the time to plan what the end was going to be. So you actually knew most of it when you started. Very important point there. But as much as you and I could keep talking about this for hours, because as you were talking earlier about how you used to go out with a credit card and get a paper receipt for whatever it was that you purchased. I unfortunately can remember when there were no credit cards and one went out with cash and one had to carry cash and be sure not to lose cash and get that paper receipt. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other story too. (laughs) (laughs) Fabian, what is the best tip you have received from a business conversation? Oh, wow. I think it goes back to when I started my business and it's to have the end goal in place. Now, it's not just, but there's a caveat to that. It's very easy to say, I want to sell my business at the end, or I want to build 15 of these, whatever it might be. That needs to have some direction. Like I want to sell my business via this, or I want to be able to do it with that. 
because then the decisions that you make all need to come back to what is it that this decision is going to do and what's the impact it's going to have on the end result following this path. So you have to pick a lane. And I know that's used you know, a hell of a lot of times, but it's very, very easy to pick three or four things that you really want to go, the paths that you want to go down and then spread and think that you're spreading the risk rather than this is a path I'm going down and everything needs to go down that path. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be 100% correct and it needs to be an educated choice. In many cases, some people may use gut as their educated choice, but that end result needs to be by a certain path. And it may shift a little bit, but you need to trust in that. And that was told to me and that's effectively what I applied. Very good advice, I think. What's the top piece of advice, Fabian, that you would like to leave listeners with today? Cool. Okay. So we were met with pretty impactful situation with the coronavirus and COVID-19, you know, with the environment economic pressures brought upon us by that. And all the businesses needed to adapt. And so the ideas that were being considered, you know, are now being brought forward at a much faster pace. And you'll find those businesses that have effectively held off and deploying technology-assisted activities, they'll be in the position where they must evolve. And it's forced, you know, we've been forced to, and many businesses will be forced to change the order of their processes and consider technology to be a part of that. So I think if it's anything that I would suggest a business to do more than most is to look at the deeper parts of their business not from what's at the front end, but to look at the back end to understand other things that we're doing, that we are doing the most efficient. And is there a technology out there that can help us with that? And don't be afraid of it. Because ultimately, in the way the, especially the, the sales service, the software market is today, you can try something and if it doesn't work, you can turn it off. I'd encourage people to embrace technology. Don't be afraid of it. It'll help. I wish I had now... 20 years ago, because it definitely would have helped my business. And I think that as we look at the way technology evolves, you really have to jump in. You have to jump in with something. Try something. Once you get one, then you'll start to get confidence and you'll find these technologies are all interconnected. And I mean, people will catch an Uber nowadays and not even think about how it works. I mean, that's just a perfect example of like an interconnected business and technology. So I think just embrace the technology be afraid of it. That's okay. Have some healthy paranoia, but really look at those back-end businesses and consider what's an activity that you can pass the technology. Very good advice. Embrace that technology. By all means, ask the right questions, but mm -hmm. let's embrace it once we've decided it's the one for us. Fabian, most importantly, before I let you get away, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? Sure. So if they just went to concur.com.au, that's C-O-N-C-U-R.com.au, you'll find us there. Or if you type in my name, Fabian Kelly, you'll find me on LinkedIn and there's all the connections through that as well. And Kelly is spelled C-A-L-L-E. There we go. Fabian, this has been absolutely great. Thank you so much for bringing us a clear vision on some of what technology can do and letting us know that it's not all that frightening. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. You take care. Great to have you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. 
Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app. And you can find more business resources at cliveenova.com.au.